if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And we need to push that button for me, Andrew, to get rid of that echo. Appreciate that. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get started on this Wednesday, the 26th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Night number two of the Republican National Convention is in the books, and it was just about as spectacular as night number one. Am I partisan? Absolutely. Am I conservative? Absolutely. Am I a Trump supporter? Absolutely. Am I biased in my analysis of the convention? Absolutely. But I also think I am absolutely right. Spot on right. I'm not making things up to make my side look good, sound good, feel better, etc. These are the facts of the situation, and we're going to cover them all this morning right here on AM 1420, The Answer. You are welcome to join me, especially in hour number one. And then for the second half of our number two at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I have one guest today. That will be at 1010. That will be Jack Windsor back for more. Uh, he is, of course, the investigative reporter at WMFD Television in Mansfield. He was on the scene yesterday for Governor DeWine's latest COVID-19 briefing. The governor holding court even as he is being impeached by members of his own party in the Ohio House, or at least they are pushing for that with the introduction of articles. Jack Windsor will talk impeachment. He'll talk about the governor's orders and the latest statistics uh, in the governor's fun, uh, fun coloring book as far as the counties, 88 counties being colored certain numbers based on, or colors rather, based on numbers that are completely arbitrary. So Jack Windsor will give us the latest coming up at uh, 1010 this morning. But I do start with the Republican National Convention last night, and with very good reason. It was every bit as spectacular as I am describing it. Uh, strangely, what I'm going to do to start the audio, and by the way, you are in for just an audio sensory overload this morning, because I have so much I want you to hear from uh, the RNC. Strangely enough, the first audio uh, treasure I have for you is going to be from night number one. And the reason for that is, should be obvious, I was unable to reach or to uh, to a find time to get him in yesterday. I did a lot of audio on night number one on yesterday's show, but we ran out of time because I did have guests as well. So I want you to hear Maximo Alvarez. If you missed him, 
He was spectacular, and you need to hear him in full. Maximo Alvarez is the Sunshine Gasoline Distributor's founder and president. He was born in Cuba, and Maximo Alvarez has a story to tell because he has seen what the radical American left in America today before is trying to institute in the United States before. He has seen it before. He saw it in his native Cuba. And he has a message for everybody that he's even considering bringing the same socialist-slash-communist policies that he saw destroy the lives of so many in Cuba to the United States. Maximo Alvarez, this is from night one, Monday night, at the Republican National Convention. The sound of tears hitting the paper of an application to become an American citizen. Most heard and liked the promises, but soon after, they experienced the reality. Look at them, listen to them, learn the truth. Those false promises spread the wealth, free education, free health care, defund the police, trust the socialist state more than your family and your community. They don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar. And Fidel Castro was asked if he was a communist. He said he was a Roman Catholic. He knew he had to hide the truth. But the country I was born in is gone, totally destroyed. When I watch the news in Seattle, Chicago, Portland, and other cities, when I see the history being rewritten, when I hear the promises, I've heard echoes, I've hear echoes of the former life I never wanted to hear again. I see shadows I thought I had outrun. My parents only wanted one person to decide my fate, me. Not some party member, not some government official, not some bureaucrat. In America, I would decide my own future. I am so grateful to America, the place where I was able to build my American dream through hard work and determination. President Trump knows that the American story was written by people just like you and I, who love our country and take risks to build a future for our families and neighbors. I may be a Cuban born, but I am 100% American. This is the greatest country in the world. And I said this before, if I gave away everything that I have today, it would not equal 1% of what I was given when I came to this great country of ours. The gift of freedom. Right now, it is up to us to decide our fate and to choose freedom over oppression. President Trump, he's fighting the forces of anarchy and communism. 
and I know he will continue to do just that. And what about his opponent and the rest of the DC swamp? I have no doubt they will hand the country over to those dangerous forces. You and I will decide. And here's what I've decided. My decision is very easy. I choose President Trump because I choose America. I choose freedom. Well, I still hear my dad. There is no other place to go. Thank you, and may the good Lord bless America. I'm um, a little bit embarrassed, to be 100% honest with you, um, that I did not carve out space in yesterday's broadcast for that speech. I played so many speakers from night number one. Um, I just ran out of time and space, and I shouldn't have. I should have allowed Maximo Alvarez's voice to be heard yesterday. So I wanted to correct that error at the very top of today's show. What this Cuban-American had to say is not unique. I have had people on my program over the course. Well, this was mostly during the um, Democratic primaries and the debate season that they had in late last year, late 2019. And Bernie Sanders was skyrocketing to the top of the polls. And Bernie Sanders is an avowed socialist, which makes him an avowed communist. And I wanted people to know the dangers of socialism and communism. So I had people on who were natives of Venezuela and natives of Cuba. I had a guy on who's a friend of mine that I played college football with whose parents were born and raised in Cuba and escaped that island prison to make their way to the United States. And the stories they had to tell were very similar to the story you just heard on the uh, RNC stage from Maximo Alvarez. They're not making this up. They all didn't suffer from some mass delusion. And they all see the same thing happening in the United States under radical democratic leadership. You heard what Maximo Alvarez said at the beginning of that clip. He said, you know, all of the things that we are seeing in Portland and all the things we're seeing in in, uh, Chicago, and he talked about Seattle, all of these things that he's talking about, he said, and all of the radical ideas coming from the left, including the Green New Deal and Medicare for All and uh, open borders, and all these different things that he's talking about. He said, you know, they don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar because we had and heard and experienced and lived all of them in communist nations. We cannot allow that to happen here, said Maximo Alvarez. He knows the danger of a Democratic-run country. He knows the danger of a Democrat-run country, rather, and whether it's Joe Biden or, or, uh, uh, or somebody like Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris at the top of it doesn't matter because they are all cut from the same cloth. They're all believers in huge government oversight of all Americans' individual activities. Limiting what businesses can do, limiting what people can do, telling them how they must look, how they must act, how they must dress. Yes, I'm talking about face masking. They literally want to control everything. That's what communism is. It is the absence of individuality. It is the absence of liberty. And Maximo Alvarez called that out. 
And that is something that far-left broadcasters don't like to hear, including Juan Williams, who was appalled at the suggestion that this Cuban-American saw similarities between communist Cuba and Fidel Castro and radical progressives like Joe Biden. So, Jesse, let me pick up on what Greg's talking about, because to my ears, hearing a speaker at a major party convention compare Joe Biden to a communist dictator, I thought that was pretty disgusting. I just thought that was so wild. And again, we know Joe Biden. He's been around. He is a pro-American moderate politician. So what it, why would anybody think, oh, that's cute, or unless it's just name-calling? I find it hilarious that Juan Williams would express outrage and disgust at somebody, particularly somebody who was born under a horrific communist uh, uh, hammer in Cuba, the way Maximo Alvarez was, co- comparing Joe Biden to a communist dictator is just, you know, it's just outrageous. It's disgusting. I find that hilarious when he and his party have routinely compared Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler. Routinely and repetitively and frequently. Every year since he even ran for, began his run for president, they have compared him to Hitler. But he finds it disgusting that somebody would compare Joe Biden to a communist dictator. Hypocrisy much, Juan? I know you guys live in traffic and swim in hypocrisy, but my goodness, at least try. Try to kind of put a veil over it a little bit, right? And second of all, you don't know Joe Biden. He's been around. He's a pro-American moderate politician. Have you read the policies put forth in the unity platform that his team got together with socialist Bernie Sanders' team and drew up just about a month ago? Have you read it? Have you, have you looked at it? There's nothing moderate about it. There's nothing moderate in the Green New Deal. There's nothing moderate in Medicare for All. There is nothing moderate uh, in, in uh, sanctuary cities. There's nothing moderate about banning fracking. Have you seen the record of the woman that he chose for his running mate? She's further left than Sanders. Don't tell me he's moderate. And don't tell Maximo Alvarez, a man who grew up under the communist hammer in Cuba, that he can't recognize communism when he sees it. 921, we'll be right back. France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 925, we continue. I want to get right back to more audio, and I want to come a little more current. I gave you Maximo Alvarez from night number one because I was uh, neglected, neglectful in my uh, responsibilities, I think, yesterday. You should have heard him yesterday. But now let's go to last night uh, and share with you another great, great story. This one came from Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron who was one of the featured speakers last night, who had a message. Daniel Cameron is another African-American standing up for his own uh, independence of thought, his own independence of vote, his own independence in the United States of America, rather than being treated like he is just one of a whole bunch of other black folks who all have to pledge their fealty to the Democrat Party. 
The message is growing louder and louder and louder from more black Americans telling people like Joe Biden, you cannot treat us like this. Or will we go back uh, to a time when people were treated like political commodities who can't be trusted to think for themselves? I think often about my ancestors who struggled for freedom. And as I think of those giants and their broad shoulders, I also think about Joe Biden who says, if you aren't voting for me, you ain't black, who argued that Republicans would put us back in chains, who says there is no diversity of thought in the black community. Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am black. We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own. And you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. Joe Biden is a backwards thinker in a world that is craving forward-looking leadership. There's no wisdom in his record or plan, just a trail of discredited ideas and offensive statements. Daniel Cameron, the attorney general of the great state of Kentucky, became a star last night. And he is going to be a rising star, I believe, in uh, in Republican politics for a long time to come. I don't know what his stop will be, if it will be the governor's office or if he'll run for federal office, uh, in the, maybe in the United States Senate or in, the, um, uh, in a, uh, a House district in Kentucky. But all I know is Daniel Cameron was spectacular. Joe Biden, I am not in chains. We are not all the same. My mind is my own, and you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. Joe Biden is every bit the backward thinker that Daniel Cameron characterized him as last night. All right, let's get some uh, some of your thoughts in here before the bottom of the hour. Fred is in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Fred. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Great show. Um, I have to say, I think by the end of this convention, the Republicans and the president will probably get a 10 or 15-point bounce, and it will continue to go up after that, I think. The Democrats will do nothing but go down as soon as people hear Kamala speak. And the next time Joe gets in front of a microphone, it's just going to hurt him more. And I think that I'll go so far as to say that Trump may win a 57-state landslide. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you used the Obama 57 there. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't keep myself from laughing. Well, Fred, I'll tell you something. I, I love the optimism, and thanks for the call. I, I, I don't know that I would say it's going to be a 10-point bounce or certainly a 15-point bump in the polls over after this convention because you have to understand, there are not a ton of Americans who are open-minded enough to to make their minds up based on what they're hearing right now. They're going into this either already Trump supporters watching the RNC and cheering for it the way I am and you are, or they are haters of Donald Trump, never Trumpers, who are going in there and saying all of this is bunk and it's garbage. Um, the undecideds, open-minded people, are there enough of them to give them a 10 to 15 point bounce? I doubt that. Can he see a bounce, though? Yeah, I believe so. But here's the thing. You have to remember... Um, we're fighting not just, when I say we, I'm talking about believers in American uh, exceptionalism and, and American liberty, the American Constitution, and this constitutional republic. Um, those of us who are fighting the Democrats who don't believe in any of those things are also fighting the media. And I'll just give you an example right now. If you go to YouTube, which is owned uh, by Google, far leftists in Silicon Valley, Google, right? If you go to YouTube and you type in the search bar RNC, 
one of the very first responses you get, one of the first uh, items to appear, is uh, from CNN, quote, a bunch of false claims on RNC night two, fact checker says. The first thing isn't Melania Trump. The first thing isn't going to be Eric Trump or any of the fantastic speakers you saw. It's going to be uh, CNN fact checkers say there were a bunch of false claims on RNC, a bunch of liars. So the media, including the digital media and the you know the owners of, of YouTube and these kinds of things, are going to do everything they can to try to destroy the narrative and the stories told last night and each night of the RNC. That's important to remember. 931 News Time, right back. Nine thirty six, the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Night number two of the RNC. We are in full auditory heaven right now, listening to some of the great speeches and the great moments from last night. I gotta tell you, one of the greatest moments was one of the leads in the uh uh, in the events of last night in Charlotte, and although this is kind of going back and forth between Charlotte and various other locations because of the virtual nature of these conventions, the president was at the White House. And the story that he had to tell about a former felon named John Ponder, who started a nonprofit reentry program called Hope for Prisoners while still serving time in prison for a number of bank robberies. The story that President Trump had to tell, and the story that he let John Ponder tell, as well as the FBI agent who was responsible for arresting and locking Mr. Ponder up. The story of their now newfound friendship and their unity in helping people was was beyond moving. And this is another example, and this is why I rethink the RNC is doing a phenomenal job, of telling personal stories about Donald Trump that you'll never, ever see in the media. You won't even see them in Republican uh, literature. They're not going to promote all of these things until it's time now at a convention. But he does these things and has done these things under the radar for a very long time. We found out long before he became a politician when we heard the stories of people like Herschel Walker on night number one. But President Trump, long before he became candidate and then President Trump, has a very, very soft side for helping people in a lot of very different ways. And we keep hearing these stories being told throughout. That's the one thing is the humanity of President Trump that so many on the left seek to demonize and characterize as some sort of a monster. And the story of John Ponder, I think, is an extraordinary one. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have the opportunity to speak here today. Not so long ago, my life was running from the police, fearing the police, and avoiding the police. Not because of anything that the police had done to me personally, but due to the animosity I had allowed to grow inside of me, making me believe that they were my enemy. But today, praise God, I am filled with hope. A proud American citizen who has been given a second chance. My transformation began in a prison cell where I found myself a three-time convicted felon facing yet another sentence. I gave my life to Jesus and made him a promise that I would spend the rest of my days helping others like me. My first help and support came from the unlikeliest of places, the FBI agent who arrested me, Richard Beasley. He is now a dear friend and has been a source of encouragement to me throughout my entire journey. I am grateful for the men and women of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department who volunteer their time to people who are returning to our local community after incarceration. 
These are the real-life heroes who put their lives on the line every day, armed with the promise that they made to protect and to serve, have made a tremendous impact in the lives of men and women reintegrating back into our society. My hope for America is that formerly incarcerated people will be afforded the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that we live in a nation of second chances. My hope for America is that law enforcement and people in the communities across our country can come together and realize that as Americans, we have more in common than we have differences. My hope for our great nation is to continue on this path we are on of being the most prosperous country in the world. I'm so proud of John with his life's turnaround and for all the lives that he's helped to change. It may be hard to believe that as a retired FBI agent, one of my best friends is a person I arrested for bank robbery. When I met John 15 years ago, he was angry, scared, frustrated, and anxious about his future. On the drive to prison, I stopped at a convenience store and bought John a coffee and a donut. After he was sentenced, John sent me a necktie and a note thanking me for treating him like a gentleman. Five years later, when he got out of prison, John called me and wanted to meet for lunch. He was a different man. He talked about starting a re-entry program for men and women coming out of prison. Over time, John earned the trust and respect of the law enforcement community, many of whom volunteer in John's Hope for Prisoners program. I'm grateful for President Trump's commitment to criminal justice reform. On February 20th of this year, he was the guest speaker at the Hope for Prisoners graduation. He stayed much longer than scheduled to hand out diplomas to the 29 men and women who graduated that day. What a sight the most important man in the free world, shaking hands and pledging his administration's support to ex-offenders. Their families were there, the community was there. What a great second chance. I also appreciate President Trump's support for law enforcement. I always felt like I had strong support as an FBI agent, but there's nothing worse than knowing you're being second-guessed when you're doing your job. In certain parts of our country right now, law enforcement doesn't feel like they have the support from their local leaders. They're being painted with a broad brush, unfairly, with calls for defunding. But as President Trump knows, the overwhelming percentage of law enforcement officers are good, smart people who are doing their jobs very well. And they can change the world working with people like John. I'll stop it there. The rest of the story is actually even better, but just in the interest of time, uh, I'll move on. But at the end of the speech there given by John Ponder and then by the FBI agent who, FBI agent who is now a great friend of his after arresting him for bank robbery, robbery years ago, after the two of them praised President Trump for being there and handing out diplomas to graduates of the Hope for Prisoners program, showing his true dedication to criminal justice reform and helping people go from prison back to work, back to, uh, you know, productive societal members, um, President Trump did something else extraordinary. He signed on the spot a presidential pardon for John Ponder. Now, John Ponder already served his time, so the pardon isn't necessarily going to change his life any more than it's already been changed. But it is symbolic. It's a symbolic thank you from President Trump to an African-American former incarcerated felon who has found it his mission, thanks to his belief in Christ, to stop other people from becoming incarcerated felons to stop them from becoming what he was, and that if they have already made their mistakes, helping them to become who he is today. And that was worth the presidential pardon alone. Uh, now, you heard um, the FBI agent who was uh, with John Ponder there talk about how the, you know, talk about the importance of President Trump. 
supporting police officers because that hasn't been the case. Well, it wasn't the case for eight years anyway. And outside of the president's office and others who support him, it's not the case now. If you look around this country and if you listen to the, the left, particularly in uh, the Democratic-controlled Congress, police are still under constant attack. They are calling to, for the defunding of police, the abolition of police, the elimination and the reimagining of what police officers are. It is insulting, it is dangerous, and it is something that Eric Trump wanted to address yesterday as part of his 10-minute speech, nine-and-a-half-minute speech. I'm only going to give you about a minute of it. Under my father's leadership, it will send Americans to Mars. The American spirit can be felt in the majesty of the Grand Canyon, the shadows of Mount Rushmore, and the stillness of the air at Gettysburg. It can be seen in the wide-eyed wonder of every American child as they take their first breath in the greatest country the world has ever known. It defeated fascism, it defeated communism, and in 68 days, it will defeat the empty, oppressive, and radical views of the extreme left. Ronald Reagan's quote ends with this simple warning. One day we could spend our sunset years telling our children what it was once like in the United States where men and women were free. Under President Trump, freedom will never be a thing of the past. That's what a vote for Donald Trump represents. It's a vote for the American spirit, the American dream, and for the American flag. To the law enforcement officer, who's being attacked, betrayed, and whose job they are trying to make extinct. My father will fight for you. To all houses of war. That was very important to me. Uh, two, two parts of that from Eric Trump. As I said, a reminder to law enforcement. Why, by the way, law enforcement unions all over this country are offering their endorsement to President Trump. They know what a Biden presidency will do to law enforcement and uh, police in this country. And they are extraordinarily supportive of President Trump. So Eric Trump's message there to all of them was, you have a fighter on your side in the White House. So if anybody tries to do anything to uh, harm uh, the peace officer, anybody tries to do anything to defund, to try to make their jobs less safe, etc., uh, the President of the United States will do everything in his power to support you. And that's very important. The other part that I liked in that clip of the uh, nine-minute-plus speech from Eric Trump was when he pointed out that a vote for the president is a vote for the American spirit, the American dream, and I love how he paused before he said, and the American flag. That was a direct message to the kneelers, the haters, those who don't believe in the, the, uh, the liberty of this great constitutional republic. They don't believe in the flag that represents this constitutional republic. They don't believe in the anthem that represents this constitutional republic. So his message was to all of the kneelers and all of those who say, uh, you know, death to America and all of the other terrible things that they chant when they're marching and protesting and committing violent acts, rioting, uh, looting, and committing arson in the streets. I thought that was powerful as well. TJ is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. TJ, go right ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, when I heard that Cuban-American uh, speak there, it made me think of something that i seen about 18 years ago. I was a contractor in the federal building for Department of Defense, and behind the building in the smoking area the one day, I'm debating a very liberal man. In fact, his nickname was Liberal Rich. In the middle of our debate, this old fellow 
walked up to us, got in between us, and he started poking this liberal rich in the chest. And he said, you know, I came from a communist country, Eastern European country, 10 years ago. And he said, what I see out of you American liberals is no different than when the communists come into our country. They promised us everything, and we woke up one morning and we had nothing. And, I mean, people from, you know, that came from communist countries, they see this with the left. And our own American people, just many of them just won't see it. And, and I don't want to bring up Vietnam again, Bob, but I'm going to. I got to see communism firsthand as a young man. And I look at this cancel culture coming from the left. Now, in Vietnam, they had a cancel culture. If the people there did not buy into their narrative, they were literally physically canceled. And I'm afraid if this continues, you know, the way it's going, we're going to start to see the same thing in this country, and we just can't let this happen. TJ, you make great, very great points. And, yeah, thank you. I don't mind you bringing it up at all. Thanks for the call, TJ. You did experience communism firsthand. You should be one of those poking people in the chest, even though you aren't, uh, you know, Vietnamese and living under that uh, oppressive, you know, rule, you know, from the North Vietnamese, and even though you're not, you know, Cuban or, or Venezuelan, you did see it up close and personal. And when we hear it from story, hear stories, rather, from those who did live under it or experience it up close and personally, um, it carries weight. And I respect that. And, uh, yeah, that message from uh, Maximo Alvarez is one that I hope resonates in the ears of every voter who isn't quite sure what to do on November 3rd. Uh, West, West Park. Jim, I haven't heard from Jim in West Park in a while. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, before I get to my question about the uh, mail-in ballot, every time you mention Kasich's name, you have to include that his father was a postal worker. It's a Democrat union organization affirmative action group and the, and and the post office endorsed Biden for uh for uh president now he was at the convention in Cleveland not too many people know this he was behind the scenes and he was trying to persuade delegate holders to go for him just like Hillary did okay so uh, that's what that's what he did. He he was not he wasn't speaking, but he was there and he was trying to weasel the delicate holders to go and give him a vote. So my question on the ballot: It's got a UPC code that shows RNC or DNC, and that could be uh, bad for um, the Republican voters uh, going through the post office. So I I ordered one. And it says, if you change your mind and go to the polls, your vote wouldn't be counted for 10 days. So in the primary, they, they canceled the primary and, and said, well, we're going to delay that. And so that's why I decided to request a mail-in ballot. Uh, just in case they pull a fast one and say, look, uh, you know. You mean an absentee ba- ballot, absentee mm-hmm. ballot. There's yeah. a difference. Yeah, there's a difference. I want to clear that up because the mail-in ballot is the kind where they're just going to send them to everybody unrequested. If you're requesting one, that's an absentee vote, which is very different. It is verified. It is confirmed uh, that you requested it, and when it is taken in, well, it will... they asked they, they ask every single question, including my underwear size, and I don't wear underwear. So, Ugh. you know, I was just wondering what they're going to do. Uh, I'm not going to send it in because I want to go to the polls. But if they try and pull a fast one and says, well, we can't open up the polls, like I went to the uh, uh, 
uh, uh, for Feather, and there was like a mile long line to get in there, and they're only letting ten people in uh, at a time. So is that gonna is that gonna be? Uh, they're gonna throw that kind of stuff at us at the polls. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, there's a lot of questions there, and thanks for the call. i got to get to our break here, but I'll tell you this. Get in line and stay in line until you cast your vote. I will not trust my vote by mail. I will not. I've said this before, and I'll say I said this to, to, uh, to a guest the other day. If you um, are not comfortable with taking $5,000 in cash, putting it into an envelope, and put, dropping it off at the post office and mailing it back to yourself because you're just not sure you're going to get your five grand back, that's how you treat your vote. Don't drop it in a mailbox. Stand in line six feet apart. If you get about one of the only times in the world I'll wear a mask, if that's what they make me do to cast my vote to save our country. And that's what I think everybody should do. I'll be right back. Bob France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nick Sandman was another highlight of night number two at the RNC. Nick Sandman was absolutely phenomenal, in fact. He described what happened to him, we all recall, in the uh, 2018 um, March for Life, where he and his fellow students from Covington Catholic were there to show support for life. He bought a red MAGA hat from uh, from a street vendor because he loved the fact that President Trump was also supportive of life and he's, you know, maybe the most pro-life president in uh, recent American history. And uh, you know the story, how it went from there. He told his story yesterday, and um, it was it was moving. He, he gave a version of events that the uh, people at CNN and the Washington Post and MSNBC refused to give. He told the truth. And that is why he is a rich young man, because he is winning settlements from these giant media corporations who defamed and slandered him left and right. At the end of his speech, and I don't have time to play his speech right now, but at the end of his speech, he pulled that same red MAGA hat back on. It was a savage move from a young kid who said, by the way, he wants to be an attorney. And eventually, he wants to go into politics, and he wants to fight for people who get defamed and who get slandered the way he did. Uh, let's go to James in Lorain County. James, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, hi, Bob. Thank you for James. making my call. Yes, sir. Can you hear me okay? Yep, you're fine. Great. Hey, uh, yesterday I called in, and uh, we were voting for favorites from night one, and mine was Nikki Haley. I'd like to change that because... Uh, I did not get to see the opening speaker from night one, Mr. Mus- uh, Maximo Alvarez. Yeah. And uh, I just would, <laughs> I'd like to yield back my time that I you know, <laughs> used on your platform. <laughs> really, if I'd have seen that, it would have been, it would have been a hands down, no doubt. And uh, that's it. And, you know. Well, we need to see more of that. Yeah, and you know, here's, uh, by the way, the fact that you voted for Nikki Haley, there's nothing wrong with that. You really couldn't go wrong. Nikki Haley was spectacular on night number one. So was Herschel Walker. Uh, So were so many. And Maximo Alvarez, I didn't play for you. So that's my fault. I I just ran out of time. I should have played that first. Oh, no, no, Bob. Sorry. I took up the time, and I would rather you, definitely you would have yielded my time for him. And Nikki Haley (laughs) is also standing up for us and uh, 
Yeah, and Tim, Tim Scott was another home run. Tim Scott was another home run on night one. And, yep. uh, you know, to be truthful, when I ask a question like which one was the best, there is no wrong answer. Your answer was great. Tim Scott, people said, would be great, and I, I concur with you now. After Now that we have really heard Maximo Alvarez, he is, uh, his story was one that absolutely had to be told. Uh, hey, Thanks, James, brother. I got a jet. I appreciate your call. Thank you, brother. Uh, let me get a quick time out here for the top of the hour news. If you're on hold, stay there. I'll come to you. Also, Jack Windsor going to join us next segment on AM 1420, The Answer.